Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Welcome to the Better Pleasure Podcast. This is Bo. And I'm Peter. And we're grateful that you guys get a chance to listen to this podcast, which is dealing with Bible and sexual immorality and pornography and kind of lust culture issues. We talk about all kinds of things um, from sexual recovery perspective. Um, it's a little different of a podcast in that um, uh, you're not going to hear kind of the same type of stuff that probably you're going to hear from other ministries. Um, and we certainly are going to talk a lot about Bible and theology at times and how it relates to sex and things of that nature. So we find it, we hope you find it very intellectually challenging and also a little bit thought provoking. You know, last week was a great week. We had Chrissy Outlaw on the show. What'd you think of that, Peter? It was awesome. Man. It was so great to hear her heart and her ministry and where God is uh, doing in her. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it definitely uh, resonated with a lot of stuff that we're doing down here as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I got a chance to listen to the podcast, and we did a, actually we did a Skype uh, interview, and that's why the sound's a little weird <laughs> on it. Um, but uh, she had a lot of good things to say, and I think the greatest part about the interview, when I just hear think of the totality of it, is that she's still a, a woman with a lot of maybe vulnerability, you could say, or doesn't have all the answers. And I kind of like that. I, I, I tend to think like that just in her approach anyway. Um, you know, it's not like she sat there and went, blah, 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 you know, and had all this, you know, stuff kind of figured out. You could tell she was very thinking through it herself and um, she wants to be sensitive. Um, you know, she still has a love for people that I think is so awesome you know, for that are in the adult industry, um, which she was a partaker of and very involved in for years. And, um, and I, and I love that, that heart that she has. Um, and, uh, just being honest about, um, her marriage and, um, and how that is functioning and, uh, her, uh, her continued progress and things like that. I mean, it was great. It was a real interview. It wasn't, it wasn't like contrived, you know, is that how you felt too? Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely did. I, and I appreciated that genuineness. Um, I was talking to, uh, it was funny. I was talking to this, uh, brother that goes to this fellowship and, uh, he was talking about working at a ministry and he's just like, man, like, you know, I'm working at this ministry and, one of my bosses is just like, she's kind of a jerk. And, you know, I won't mention the name of the ministry or anything, but like, he's like, man, she's kind of a jerk. And I didn't appreciate the way she, she treated me. And he's like, man, I thought this was like, you know, for the Lord. And, and I was like, man, you know, I've, I've been in ministry for a while. You know, my dad's worked in ministry his whole life. And the people who work in ministry are people, you know, and they're, they're just yeah. as flawed and messed up as anyone else. And uh, the, the problem is that when you get into ministry, you feel the need to put up like a facade of like, no, like there is nothing wrong with me, you know, everything's fine. And, and so the genuineness and, and the realness kind of goes out the window yeah. when you hang out with people in ministry and it, and, uh, it, it's sad, you know, I, I, I would like to be able to talk to people and, and have genuine conversations that are in different ministries, but you so rarely get that. And it was just really beautiful and refreshing mm-hmm. to get that from Chrissy. Yeah. You know, you know it, we, we do a lot at the Salvation Army in town the rehabilitation center 
what we enjoy about that is the what? The genuineness. Genuineness yeah, of it. Yeah. Yeah. The the men there are all just there and and real as can be. And that that is refreshing to us. And I certainly had that same vibe and and chatting with her too. Mm. You know, which was awesome. Today I I um was looking at the tweets and I got one from a famous pastor that said, don't feed your lust, starve it. And that was his, his feed. Sometimes on tweets you get, I get bummed out because it's like, there's so much more to say. Hmm. And in a tweet, you only have so many characters, you know, that you can put into a tweet um, that's allowed. So it's just these little snip bits you know of information and so he says don't feed your lust starve it and that's that's good but it, it's like okay you someone lust after food they keep being overweight starve that bad boy <laughs> right yeah is that what he's saying no i hope not i don't think i don't think so i wonder if he's saying like like if you're, if you like, you know, is he saying like that if you have a high libido that you should somehow starve that libido? Yeah, again, I'd, I'd hope he's not saying that. <laughs> like, you know, you know, you, you, you hit on it perfectly. You know, that's, that's really the the problem with, you know, putting out those short snippets is that there, <laughs> there's so many different, like you can't really get into it like in these, in these hardcore areas. So what I hope he's saying, what I hope he's saying is that, you know, we, we actually, as Christians, it talks about renewing of the mind and being, or being conformed to the, to the world. Yeah. And so I hope he's kind of going on that Romans 12 passage thinking like, yeah. man, you know, you don't want to be, you know, viewing, tons of lustful material willingly, you know, going and, and reading Cosmo and reading, uh, you know, looking at different, you know, sensual YouTube videos or going through stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you you want to kind of starve that so that you can, you know, instead be filled with God and, you know, reading his word and, and things like that. So that's what, that's what I hope he's saying. Yeah. I, I'm but sure that's what he's meaning. I'm, I'm hoping that's what he means. Because yeah. I think of like Romans 13, 14, put on yeah. the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. You mm. know, this, this idea of to fulfill its lusts, it says. So, so, you know, he's using lust in the sense of a sexual lust, you know. Um, but it, it's, it, it's definitely um, very simplistic of a statement. Uh, you know, in our world, it, it's just it's tough to read those things when you're working with guys all the time <laughs> because, you know, nothing's simple. Yeah. And there's so many reasons why people are doing what they're doing. And there's so many husband wife issues that are involved in these things as well. Hmm. Um, usually uh, sexual immorality um, uh uh, there is a percentage of it that's created through a, a dysfunctional marriage in the first place um, that becomes um, reasons uh, for someone, one partner or the other, to maybe look elsewhere. Hmm. And that does, that does have, happen. It's not all the time, but it does happen um, quite a bit. So, um, yeah, but there's things like that that kind of get me. I always go, you know, because I always think, of what if, what if – Someone's out there listening it, and they go starve my lust. You know, um, like is like again, if I associate that with food lust or greed, 
or how does that function? How does it look? You mm. know, we can't just starve everything. Yeah. And, you know, we want people to, in marriage, have good sex. We want them to enjoy each other. Yeah. And um, we, I cert- we certainly wouldn't want people to starve themselves of the sexual appetite mm. that they have. Like, you know, the, the biological, just normal functions that happen. Yeah. And like if you have a 17-year-old a read something like that that says, you know, you know <laughs> starve your lust. And he's like, he's, he's in a religious home. He's a Mormon or something. He's very strict, you know, and he's like, man, you know, I got to starve this thing. But yet his body every morning, he's getting an erection because his body's testosterone is really high. Yeah. And he has a nocturnal emissions and he's, gosh, I'm, I, I need to starve this thing. How am I, you know, I got to work on this. And he gets very shameful hmm. and filled with guilt. Yeah. And... He thinks he needs to starve it. Yeah. And so every little bit of sensual imagery that he uh, he sees, he feels automatic shame and automatic guilt. Because hmm. um, his body is revved up into fifth gear, and it's a Ferrari right now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's a V you know, <laughs> 16, <laughs> you know, it ain't, it ain't like mine. Yeah. It's a V6. Yeah. I got a V4. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the old Sentra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where, where that guy's is like, you know, it's, it's revved up, man. And, uh, you know, so reading something like that, we, we work with students on the campus yeah. at the university and, and it's always a bummer to see them fill with a lot of guilt. Yeah, yeah, and 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 like you said, Bo. I mean, it, it kind of, you know, there there's something that I would have, uh, you know, preferred when we have that kind of mentality because you mentioned Mormonism, and the reason why I think that's important is because that statement that he gave uh, would work in any religion, and that's that's kind of problematic for me. Because the the difference of the gospel is that it's not a religion. It's not about just restraining the flesh. Uh, in fact, you know, passage that we quote often is Colossians two, which says, "Those who say, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, um, just the restriction and the abstaining mentality." And he says, mm. "But they are of no." He says that is of no value in combating the flesh. Um, and, and the reason why that's so important is because we as Christians, even in the passage that you read earlier, Romans 13, where he says, you know, put off the old man, but then he says, put on the new man and its new desires. So as Christians, it's not just about me abstaining from lustful images and stuff like that, which, by the way, how are you going to do that in modern day living? You know, how, how am I supposed to do that, you know, walking around, not seeing anything lustful? Some people moved to uh, yeah. Idaho. <laughs> yeah, moved to Idaho, moved to Canada, you know, where everyone's bundled up. But even then, you know, I, I, I tell people this often where they think that that is somehow a solution. I mean, like in the woods. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I went to Afghanistan and the women there are wearing the, the hijab, you know, they're, they're wearing the full body covering. And so you can't see any of their skin. But that didn't turn off my lust. You know, I was still lusting after those women. I would just fantasize about what I thought they looked like, uh, which in a lot of ways made it better, you know, because now I could picture her being 
however I want her to be, right. you know, which is, you know, like it, it was, it was very sensual when I was over there, incredibly sensual. So the idea that of just restraining the flesh is going to work is something that's prominent in in all the major world religions. But what Colossians 2 is saying and what history tells us is that that just doesn't work. That doesn't work. First of all, you can't function as a normal human being. You'd have to, like Bo said, move to the middle of the woods and not come in contact with anyone and cut cable, <laughs> cut internet, you know. And just, Some people do that, <laughs> man. <laughs> just live off the land, man. Grow a farm and, and live out your days, you know, just whatever. Uh, but uh, even then, I would say you still got all the all the fantasies and mentalities of your heart. You know, that's not going to do nothing. Um, and it's just going to grow, right? The more you restrain the flesh, the more the flesh just turns around and grows on you. Yeah. So it, it, if the Bible isn't true, if, if there isn't a truth to being filled with the Spirit and, uh, you know, like we're talking about praying and, and receiving God's help uh, of resisting the, the object of the flesh and seeking God as being more pleasurable, then that stuff's all moot anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, who, who cares if you uh, resist and abstain from all these images? Your heart's still jacked. Your heart's still lustful. It's not going to change anything. You know, you're still the same person. Yeah, um, what we're looking for is a complete change. That's right, that's right. Yeah. And I, again, I tell people this, you know, when I went to Afghanistan, I didn't view porn for seven months. And it was great, you know, but the reason why I didn't view porn for seven months is because I was in Afghanistan. And right. I was a little too busy getting shot at with no internet. You know, there, there was no way for me to view porn. But when I went home, I binged, man. <laughs> like I went into porn hard. And so the the reason why I wasn't viewing porn wasn't because I was getting better. It was because I just didn't have opportunity. Right. And what Christ is wanting to do inside of our lives is he's wanting to purify our hearts in such a way that you can have purity no matter where you're at. No matter if you're in the woods in, you know, Kentucky and you're not seeing any human beings or if you're on the U of A campus and you're seeing girls half-dressed on a second-to-second basis, mm. that's that's really where God wants us to be at. Yeah, uh, I always am convicted by that passage, be in the world but not of the world. Mm. And that's so unique in Christianity because it, it, it certainly separates the world and the church that there's a difference going on there, meaning the world is doing what the world does and the church should be doing what Jesus wants them to do. But then he tells the church, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. Hmm. So we should be, in a sense, penetrating our world and impacting that world just as it is, you know, with all of its interesting quirks and sexual thoughts and whatever it is and that's what's beautiful even about especially the when you read the new testament you see that jesus walked amongst the people mm-hmm. and and that's always awesome you know i like i like that be in the world but not of the world you know i like that i'm i, I like what you're saying um you know it, it's tough because i think we certainly as people, we want it all to happen so soon. You know, we just want to be made right and pure overnight. I always think it would be cool if on the tweets, like the the pastors that do have these kind of short statements like this, don't feed your lust, starve it. I wish there was a way that they could explain what they do. Like if they say, you know, when I lust after porn, this is what I do. Yeah. 
That would be awesome. Yeah, like practically. Practically. Like how do I starve? You yeah, know, like, flesh? you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, or like, you know, um, you know, this is how I don't feed it or this is how it works or this is how it functions or, yeah. you know, I tend to think that what happens because I, it, it's funny, I read that and then I was on my way in. There was another popular pastor who was doing these like two minute, three minute, minute segments and he had his statement about uh, he was going through the book of Leviticus and he was talking about the holiness of God and how God wants to make a holy people and make us holy. And so he was sharing about his travels and how he's in hotel rooms. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff on TV and on the cables of, of hotel rooms that, um, of course, have he was alluding to adult material, pornographic material. And he was saying how, you know, he just thinks that, you know, Jesus is right there with him and 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 because he wants to live a holy life and those that want to live a holy life think about jesus being right there with them and that that gets them away from making the bad decisions um and 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 then it was kind of you know so what i got out of it is if you know you want to walk holy you're going to think about jesus being right there with you and and you'll make you'll that'll help that'll help that'll win the day you know, that'll win the day and, and, you know, God will bless you because you're, you're walking holy. And, um, I kind of got frustrated with that and turned the channel <laughs> and was like, God, why, why do I get so frustrated with these things at times? Hmm. You know, cause I think there's a measure of truth there. Um, but there's many people that listen that, are sinners you know maybe he does it all the time where he 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 walks a very holy life and and he always he doesn't sin because he always is a jesus is always right there with him <laughs> you know and and maybe that's his life but he certainly conveys that to everybody else that the reason we sin is because we don't have Jesus. We're not thinking Jesus is right there with us. And, and, and then by implication, we're not, you know, obviously living a holy life because there's sin. Hmm. And so to me, that breeds a huge separation from the monarchy and just the peasant. Yeah. You know, the holy, you know, aristocratic, people that have it together hmm. and they got holiness down and the normal person who goes man you know what i can't lose 50 pounds you know and when i eat you know i pray but i i just sometimes i eat the wrong thing and i guess i'm not thinking about jesus being really with me and man i must not be holy and i'm just frustrated And I, I imagine more people in the Christian church feel more inept or like something's wrong with them mm. because they can't seem to get it right. Mm. And then people that, you know, say things like this that convey that they got it, they, they got it right. You know, and I don't think the pastor means that. Yeah. And I guess that's the frustrating part is I don't think he means that at all. Yeah. 
But it's hard for him in, in that short period of time to say, to, to be vulnerable enough to say where he falls and God's still there with him mm. and he's still holy. Yeah. You know, so yeah. he doesn't have the time, I, you know, on that little three minute segment. Yeah. So he just puts in the other thing, you know, and, uh, and it, it leaves so much just where you're just like, ah, you yeah. know, but I don't, I, I don't think many people recognize that when they listen to, to those clips. I don't think many people walk, like listen to that clip and then walk away and go, man, that was, that didn't seem right. I think many people just assume like, yeah, that's true. That is true. Hmm. You know, you, you, you know, my problem is I'm not seeing Jesus with me. Hmm. And that's why I'm doing what you do. It's just like that statement of, you know, if you can look at the cross of Christ and you, and then you can commit that sin, then maybe you don't even know Jesus Christ. Hmm. And I'm just like, oh, man. Did you know how many people sin by looking at the cross of Jesus Christ? A lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I must say all of us who are Christians know the work of Christ on the cross. Hmm. And there's times where we look at it and we fall. Yeah. And I think that you hit it. It's just, it's not that it's wrong. It's just that it's too simplistic. And when things are too simplistic, they can do a lot of damage, you know, and I think about Job's counselors, you know, where when you read through Job's counselors, it's not that what they were saying was wrong. Right, because they, they say a lot of good stuff. <laughs> they say a lot. Of, I mean, if I if I took just snippets of like, you know, Elihu and, and all them and I just I could like teach a sermon just on what they said, you know, I could be like, man, dude, the sovereignty of God, dude. And I could just go through it and I could be like, man, like the righteousness of God and the justice of God. And they say a lot of good things like that about how he does judge people in his own way and he does make his will and his holiness known through the world and there's there's so many good things that they say it's just too simple and that's the point of job that's the whole point of these counselors that they just have this way too simplistic view yeah. of uh walking with god you know and here's a this is how the 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 bible tries to help us get away from that because the Bible's trying to tell us through the book of Job and things like that, that things can be true, yet simplistic, and be destructive. Um, I mean, l let me just give an example, a modern-day example. Let's say I wanted to take a person who is homeless, and I wanted to make them uh, not homeless anymore. Now, that's a right thing. That's a correct thing to want to do. But if I'm too simplistic about that guy's situation, I could absolutely wreck that guy's life. So what if I go up to that person and I say, the reason why this person is homeless is because no one's ever given him a chance. You know, so I'm just going to give this guy like $10,000 and I'm going to walk away. You know, because now I'm giving him a chance. Well, the problem is, is what if that person is poor, not because no one's given him a chance, but because he has addictions inside of his life that he satisfies with money. So what have I just done to that person? Feed it. I've just I've just given him ten thousand dollars to, to destroy him. Yeah, to destroy his, himself. Circle K. Here yeah. I come. <laughs> yeah. Or what if what if uh, I say you know the reason why this person is poor is because they're lazy. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put him through a boot camp to teach him good work ethic. You know, and I put him through this boot camp to, to teach good work ethic. But what if he was poor not because he's lazy, but because legitimately 
really terrible things have happened to him that have put him on on the street you know or what if he's just not mentally what if he's mentally deficient so my boot camp is going to end up breaking that person in their spirit and it's going to end up ruining their life even more and the reason why i use those examples is because i feel that in the christian church today we are too simplistic about things because we are obsessed with this this whole now culture where we don't want to think through things. We don't want to think about their implications and go through them slowly and think like, how is that going to work in my life? I just want quick pieces of knowledge that I could just be like, bam, I learned the truth. I'm going to apply the truth. I'm going to claim the truth. And then my life is good. And that's not wisdom. The Bible actually calls that foolishness. Mm. Wisdom in the Bible very clearly is gained through time and it's gained through uh, it's gained through experience. Uh, in fact, the, the 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 methodology that's used by a lot of the biblical writers is they usually compare this growth to a type of path. I mean, think about Jesus. What does he say? Narrow is the way and straight is the path that leads to salvation, but broad is the way and wide is the gate that leads to destruction. So what Jesus is saying is that walking towards God is like walking a path. And as a dude who's uh, walked a lot, hiked a lot in the military, I could tell you, there's really no secrets. There's no like massive secret I could tell you to hiking. It's just one foot in front of the other till you reach the finish line. In the Christian life, it's like that. I think we're trying to find these, these big theological secrets that are going to make it all easy, when in reality, it's just simple truths applied over time make you more Christ-like. Yeah. You know, just experiencing him and relating to him and enjoying him and loving him. And that's what makes us more like Christ over time. But there's no like me sitting down at home and just being like, dude, Jesus is in the room with me. And bam, no more struggle with porn, no more struggle with alcohol, no more struggle with drugs, no more struggle with being angry with my wife or deceitful in my marriage, no more pride, no more gluttony. Like it's just all out the window. That's obviously, it's just too simplistic. It's just not true. When in reality, it's like, yeah, understanding that God's in the room with me helps. But over time, understanding that God loves me and he's in the room with me. Yeah. That he, he, he delights in him. me. Yeah, how, how I see, see him. him. Yeah, because if you <laughs> see Jesus in the room and he's like, oh, man, <laughs> you are a loser. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm out. I'm out. I'm totally out. Then, yeah, definitely something's not, you know, that's probably not going to help you. Yeah. To think of Jesus being in the room. Yeah. <laughs> but if you see Jesus in the room as he does love you and he's beckoning you to come to him, you know, uh, then it becomes like, you know, then you know that Jesus is better and he's got something better for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. some of the greatest testimonies you hear about are people that are knee deep in their <laughs> yuck and, and they know Jesus is right there, man. And, and amazing ha things happen, mm. you know. So we're, we certainly are not... Uh, discounting that Jesus needs to be seen as with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so it's not that it's wrong. <laughs> it's just too simple. Too simple. And it's execution. Uh, and, and I mean, uh, another passage that comes to my mind is Micah, you know, a passage that most people know, mm -hmm. uh, Micah 4, where he says, He has shown you, old man, what to do, but to walk justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your Lord. I think it's Micah 6, 8. Micah 6, 8, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, the, the interesting thing about that passage is because the Israelites were, they were thinking about these deep theological things. And God's like, dude, it's not difficult. It just takes, you need to walk with me, though. <laughs> you, need to, you need to do it. You need to apply it. It's not that you don't know what to do. It's to say you're not 
doing it. So, I mean, when people talk about, you know, the deep theological thing is about resisting temptation. Well, how about simply, like, are you confessing to people? Do you have accountability in your life? Are you a member of a, of a body of Christ that holds you accountable, that people know where you're at and you could talk to them about what's going on in your life? You know, uh, have, you, have you implemented uh, different techniques inside of your life to, to stay away from the avenues of porn? You know, I mean, these, these are not, you don't need to have a, a seminary degree to figure these things out. They're really simple. Do you know that God loves you? Right? Do you know that he's for you even when you're falling? Do you feel comfortable enough to pray to him and to confess to him, even in the midst of your failure? You know, these are, again, these are things so simple that, that uh, Sunday school kids know, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Right, you can so always simple. talk to God. <laughs> you, you can always, always talk, to talk to God. That's what we always say, right, to little kiddos. <laughs> That's right. You can always talk to God, and they're like, and, and, but when we get adults, we go, nope, you can't. No. Nope. You can't do it. You That's know. for the kids, man. That's for the kiddos. They're innocent. <laughs> I know. I know it's so true, man. It's so true. Well, hey, let's uh, let's switch gears and talk about prayer um, a little bit. And what do you think, uh, or how do you think prayer helps out in the battle against sexual immorality? Yeah, um, really awesome question. There's uh, a ton of ways, actually. The uh, I'll just give two for the sake of brevity. Uh, the first way that I would say that it helps is because prayer. Um, Prayer establishes unity with God, and unity is important to overcome shame. Um, you know, one of the the cool quotes that I heard from Chrissy last week was she talks about the the root of a lot of our sexuality is insecurity, uh, meaning the reason why we become so flamboyant in our sexuality or, or the reason why we're seeking it usually is not always, but usually has some sort of a root in insecurity or shame. And the the reason why that's such a vicious cycle is um, if I have this kind of mentality of like God is only for me if I'm doing the right things or I am only holy if I am serving God in the correct way or God is in the room with me but he's kind of pissed at me. If I have that kind of mentality towards God, when I'm sinning, I'm certainly not going to be able to talk to him. And uh, if you're not communicating with God, if you're not talking to him and you're not engaging with him, how are you ever going to hear him say, neither do I condemn you? you know, how, how are you going to receive that, that grace in your time of need, as Hebrews 4 says. You know, how, how are you going to find the, the strength to keep fighting the battle if you think that God is against you? You know, One of the most comforting passages in the Bible is, if God is for us, who could be against us, right? But I mean, flip that on its head. If God is against you, who could be for you? right? If an all-powerful God is not on your side, I mean, what chance do you have in life? And so prayer, engaging with God in communication, is so key because it opens up dialogue with him so that you can receive his words of confirmation and affirmation to deal with your guilt and your shame and your insecurity. Without that, you're not really going to be able to properly fight your sin. So just going to God, man, going to God while you're sinning, right? While you're viewing porn. What? Talking to God and that saying... That sounds crazy, Peter. <laughs> Who would ever say that? <laughs> it sounds nuts, man, but it's something that we need to learn. It's something I needed to learn how to do and I still struggle with. Because so often, you know, the second I started viewing porn, I like shut off. I was like, dude, I can't talk to God. He's pissed at me. That's right. And but then when then, and then when you shut off God, yeah. what are you shutting off? You're shutting off grace yeah. and love and everything else that he can give you, right? All the help that he wants to give you, you're shutting it off. So the one person who could actually stop me 
from continuing to view porn, I've now just shut out. Uh, which is, again, why Hebrews 4.16 is so important, that you would go boldly before the throne of grace that you might find help in your time of need. So and that word boldly literally means to, to say, to, to have the comfortability to say anything to somebody at any time, to have that level of comfortability with someone, to just be able to go to them and say whatever's on your mind whenever it's on your mind. And that's the kind of comfortability that the writer of Hebrews is saying that we should have with God. But that's not something that's just over, you know, just happens. Over time of praying to God in your time of need, you'll start to be affirmed and to understand to fight those thoughts that are like, oh, you're being a hypocrite. This is this is terrible. You're taking grace of God for granted. You know, things like that. Over time of talking to him in your time of need, you'll see like, no, this is this is right. You know. Yeah, we're not we're not talking about, uh, you know, taking God's grace for granted. Yeah. We're talking about utilizing God's yeah. grace to help. <laughs> conquer sin yeah you know yeah, it's certainly and, not and, like i'm viewing porn and i'm like hey god like, hey god how's it going this is awesome this is <laughs> you know? wow yeah. you know what i mean yeah that's not that's not even close to what we're talking about yeah but we're talking about and do not lead us into sin or into or into temptation or mm. testing you know and what, what that passage reminds me of where it says do not lead us into temptation and this is prayer this is how jesus taught us to pray mm is 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 that it reminds me when i'm talking to god it reminds me that it's not god mm. that leads me into some kind of temptation god does not tempt man mm. the book of james tells us you know so what this prayer is is it's a reminder to me it's reminding me that jesus doesn't lead me into temptation mm. um he leads me he tests me mm. but he certainly doesn't tempt me mm. and that and that what that means is that when you test something you're seeing the betterment of the product. That's why you're testing it, because you want to see it succeed. You've done some work on it. You've you've improved it. You've made it better. So now it's time to take that car around the track, man, and see it whiz, mm. see it go. And you go, whoa, that thing's awesome. But all of a sudden, you know, whoa, blew up. <laughs> Got to fix it. You know what I mean? And and, and uh, so I think of God that way, where God's like. You know, up oh, he blew up. <laughs> gotta <laughs> yeah, gotta work on that guy. Yeah. yeah, work on that guy. You know that. So I'm reminded of that. Deliver. So that's what we're thinking of mm. uh, I, I, when we're talking about bringing God into the avenue. Mm. Um, King David, I, I I think was a great example of that in his Psalms, where um, he is very. You could tell he's knee deep in it. Mm. You know, I am being swallowed. I mean, I think it is in Psalm 38. I'm being, I'm drowning, you know. I mean, <laughs> in my sins, yeah. In my yuck, you know. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he's right there. <laughs> you know, whatever's going on, it's happening. Yeah. And he is, he is talking to God. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what we're referring to people out there, <laughs> you know, is we're referring to that kind of talking to God as the Psalms are. We're talking to God in the, in this midst. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the other thing that David, uh, you could see in the Psalms that he realized as well, is David realized, you know, while he was talking to God in his in his sin and his yuck, is he realized that God is the only one that could really change me. I can't change myself. I've tried to do it before, and it just it doesn't work. You know, that deep uh, heart change that me and Bo are talking about does not happen by human effort or will. It can't. You can change your actions easily. 
Anyone can change their actions. An atheist right. can change their actions. That's not hard at all. But to change the heart is impossible. In fact, Isaiah in his book, he said about changing the heart, he says, can an Ethiopian change his skin or a leopard his spots? And what are the answers to that? No, right? And he says, likewise, man cannot change his heart. Mm. So we, we cannot change our heart without help from God. And so if I am not talking to God in my issues with uh, any sin, not just sexual sin, but any sin in my life, how is my heart ever going to be changed? How am I ever going to be uh, become more like Christ if I'm just like, no, you know, I, I messed up. Now I need to start changing my mindset and I still need to start thinking differently and I need to start doing this and I need to start doing that. Right? Galatians 3, who has bewitched you, O foolish Galatians? You who have started in the spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? Right? So if, if my salvation came by the grace and the love and the beauty of God entering into my life through his crucifixion, why on earth do I think I'm being made more like Christ through human effort now? Yeah, so it, you know, we are relying fully on the Holy Spirit mm. to do something in us. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. A change. Yeah. So we certainly, we certainly through that work, there's practical steps that we take you know, in it, but to uh, do the practical steps and to avoid the need of that, that work of the Holy Spirit to, to do this really mind altering and heart altering work in our heart is, is, uh, leads to that legalism that you're talking about, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You know, I think about like the physical steps. I think of it like working out a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, the physical steps I look at it is like kind of, um, I kind of look at it as like the supplements that you take, you know, the protein and stuff like that, where it's like if you if you went to the gym and you just wrecked yourself, you know, you just worked out all the time. And you're like, you know, I'm going to fast, you know, all that work that you did in the gym would be for nothing because your muscles aren't going to be able to rebuild themselves and you're going to be weaker. Yeah. In the Christian life, if you do physical stuff without the receiving of the Holy Spirit and grace, it's just going to break you down and make you worse. You know, so the, the physical stuff that we do, it's important, but it's supplementary, meaning it, it works with the grace of God. It coincides. It. It's it's synergy, right? It works together with the grace of God. And in fact, the grace of God is what motivates us to do the work. So you could say it's all grace, but um, it definitely does not replace the grace of God. Hmm. It definitely doesn't do away with it. That's right. That's why Paul could say in 1 Corinthians 15, not I, hmm. but God who works in me yeah you know and he's talking about grace in that section yeah. the grace of god working well there's another there's two things that i think of when i think of prayer mm. that help fight both of them are in the book of john one of them is john 14 13 and whatever you ask in my name i will do that the father may be glorified in the son mm. and for me this is important because Prayer helps me in fighting sexual sin because it helps me realize where proper glory should be given. Mm. And usually the issue with my sinful inclinations are a lack of proper glorification, mm. meaning I'm not glorying in the right thing. Mm. Um, I'm glorifying my own needs I'm glorifying the thing I'm wanting to watch, but I'm certainly not glorifying Christ. Hmm. And so prayer for me, um, from this passage, I, I've always learned that 
or whatever uh, it says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So when I pray, God wants to help me, but it's for his glorification. So it kind of focused me on everything is about God's glorification. And so I need to be about that too. Um, the Bible teaches that actually even the creation itself is waiting to glorify God in a marvelous way hmm. and, and does somewhat today as well. But um, that I am, as a created being, am to have proper glorification um, to God. So that's what it reminds me of, and, and you can see where that's probably important, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so much of my discouragement and my fight against porn or any other sin comes from me not glorifying God because I make it all about me. And when you make it all about me, I mean, how couldn't you get uh, discouraged? You will never see the work that God is doing in you if all you do is spend your time thinking about what you're not. Because none of us are perfect. None of us have arrived. And man, if all you do is focus on yourself, all, you, you're going to totally miss out on all the wondrous work that God's been doing in your heart. And you'll just be like, well, I'm not perfect yet. And you just throw your hands up. And, you know, like, I think you were such a huge influence on my life, you know, where, you know, I was viewing porn, you know, like maybe once a week. And you'd say something like, well, isn't that better than what it was? Like, but I'm still viewing it once a week, you know. And, and it's like, I totally miss the fact that I used to view it, you know, like almost every day. And now God, the grace of God had worked mightily in my life to bring me down to just once. But instead of giving him glory, I was just like, oh, I'm not done yet. You yeah, know? you still were really self-focused. Still very self-focused. But man, if the glory of the God is your is your perspective, then no matter what uh, work he does in your life, it will just turn into praise for him as opposed to just a self-focus. Even when it's a minute, mini a mini. A victory yeah you know uh in our last group we were trying to help the men see that that just working on one device is really good and real positive meaning what we were sharing with them is there's many devices that people use to to utilize pornography and i was suggesting to them that maybe don't concentrate on all of them maybe just focus on one device that you've been watching porn on and then just go, hey, God, help me with this one device. Because most, most guys aren't used to talking to God about pornography and or sin in that in, in such an in-depth way. Mm. And it, so it develops this cool thing of like, hey, okay, this guy's starting to talk to God about it. He's bringing God into the fight. He's saying there's this one device. It's my, it's my cable. And God, I'm bringing this to you. I'm bringing my cable before you. And this is, you know, help me to cut off the avenue. Help me to, to be thorough. Help me to, to love you in it. Help me to be joyful in it. Help me to glorify you in this. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're talking to God about that and you're working on that. And, and be blessed and be happy with, with where God's got you. I said, you might actually go view porn, right, with on the other devices. Yeah. But continue, and we'll get there. We'll get to the other devices. <laughs> but but start looking at, start bringing God into the fight of at least one. Hmm. And you'll see God do amazing things. And then you go, whoa, okay. Like, man, God's doing something with this one. Hmm. You know, this is cool. And it gets exciting. Yeah, It does get exciting when you 
when you see something happening in your life. Yeah. And and then you move it into the, the other one and you work on your phone. Mm. And then you work you're done with that one and then you work on something else, you know what? Uh, again, you see that God, you know, glorification uh, that kind of prayer, knowing that it's about God's glorification, you start seeing things in a positive way. Hmm. That God, I want to glorify you. I want to honor you. Help me in this, you know. So one of them is that prayer, and and that's about glorifying God. And that's important. We talked about that. But John 16:24. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. So this is going to be about prayer. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Hmm. So the other important thing in prayer to me in battling sexual sin is joy. Hmm. If I don't talk to God and I don't have the access to the most pleasurable, happiest being ever, and that is God. God is called the happy God, the Hmm. blessed God in the book of Timothy. So God is a happy God and he's a totally stoked dude, stoked God, you know, so to tap into that, it says, pray that your joy may be full. Mm. So praying to God and talking to him gives us a full heart of mm. joy. And and that is one of the tools I need to battle sexual sin. Because the reason why sexual sin is so alluring all the time is that there is some kind of joy that you get from it. Yeah. To say you don't would be probably a lie. <laughs> so for me, those two passages are really important. And, and um, I think focusing on those is probably uh, where people should be and could get a lot out of. Yeah. You know, absolutely. So we're going to end the podcast there, guys. You can always check out our material. We have a new workbook that we put out, too. If you guys are interested in that, you, could, you can definitely buy it at runninglight.org. And uh, there's many things you can check out on the website. We're going to be having a new website pretty soon. I think it's going to be going really soon. I'm pretty stoked. Awesome. Not that you're a technology guy. You know nothing of that stuff. I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, guys, great having you guys. We'll talk to you guys later. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.